Let me first say it's a privilege. Come on. I, all right. He was giving me a sign up there to wait. All right. It is a privilege for me, able, for me to be able to be here and to bring a word from the Lord. And every time I step in a pulpit, I always think about my grandfather. And uh, he was someone who, uh, he's 90 years old now, and his health is beginning to fail. But in my younger years, he always, well, he was relentless in sowing the gospel, the seed of the gospel into my life. And so every time I step in a pulpit to preach, I think about my grandfather. And I've got a little humorous story I want to just share with you about him. Maybe it'll make me relax a little bit. It's always good to, to laugh, and I am a bit nervous, but... Well, as I said, my grandfather's 90, and uh, he likes to spend most of his days in his recliner, but that's not always good. So his doctor encouraged him, said, Mr. Garrett, you need to get out there and you need to walk. Walk as much as you can. If it's just around your little circle, um, go check the mail and so forth. And so my granddaddy's trying to do what his doctors ask him to do, and he was walking up the road one day, and, 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 he, and he heard something. And my granddaddy just thought he just heard something and, and just didn't pay no attention. He kept walking. Well, then he heard that same thing again and it was pss, pss. And he looked down to his right and as he looked down to his right, he saw a frog. And this frog said, sir, you can tell this isn't a real story. <laughs> the frog said, sir, I, I, I beg of you, several years ago, I was this beautiful young princess, but this evil witch cast a wicked spell and has confined me to the body of this frog. But in order to, to um, surrender this spell and to make me free, I need you to kiss me and I will be forever in your debt. So my granddaddy just kept walking and the frog was getting desperate. Her opportunity for freedom was passing her by. And she hollers out again, Sir, I don't think you understand. I was a beautiful princess. And if you'll just break this spell, I will forever be in your debt. It took him a while, but my grandfather leaned over, trying to maintain its balance, his balance. And he picked up that frog, and he put the frog in his pocket, and he just continued to walk. And again, the frog repeated herself. If you would break the spell, I would be ever in your debt. He looked at the frog in his pocket and he said, Ma'am, he said, I'm 90 years old. And at my age, I just think it would be neater to have a talking frog. <laughs> that has nothing to do with my message, but... Oh. I want to talk to you this morning... And I've got several passages of Scripture that I'll read from time to time. But I want to talk to you this morning about your relationship with the Lord. And I want you to just think to yourself for a moment as I ask you some questions. How would you describe your relationship with God? Would you use the word personal? Perhaps formal? Would you describe your relationship with God as close? Distant? Enriching, indifferent, beneficial, essential. For some, you might use the word strained, religious, ritualistic, rigid. Perhaps some, even the word cold. 
Would you describe your relationship as zealous? One who is on fire for God. Hot. Would you ever entertain using the word to describe your relationship with God as intimate? I was given a bulletin from last week's message, and so I noticed your mission statement on the front of the bulletin, and it said, to know Christ and to make Him known. And it's very hard to make Christ known unless you really know Him. Who He is, what His nature is, what His character is like, what are His likes, what are His dislikes, what causes God joy, what does He really want from us? Is God being exalted in this earth, in this community, because of you? I'm reminded in Scripture, in John chapter 15, He says, when we are much fruitful through an abiding presence of God, then and only then is God glorified. And the last question is, are you, through your life, through your witness, through your personal ministry, and your service, are you causing God joy? That may sound like a strange question, but this message was set up so beautifully by the children's message as she referenced David being chosen by God to succeed Saul as the next king of Israel. David is known in Scripture as the man who was after God's own heart. And I want to consider, I want you to consider what a man after God's own heart had to say. In Psalms 27, 4, and this is out of the Amplified Translation, it says, One thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in His presence all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. I don't know what that scripture says to you. But through studying the word of God and understanding what being in the presence of God and how powerful and important it is, I've come to realize and to know, not just from my personal experience, but through years in ministry, that in the presence of God is where people are changed. When you and I begin to see God for who he is, when we see God for who he is, it changes our perspective not just about God, but it changes our perspective about ourselves, others, how we view our own life and our purpose. And when you spend consistent time in the presence of God, everything changes. Now, I was warned to not get into politics because in a church this side, there are some on both sides of the fence. And I will restrain myself from doing so. But I believe we need changes in this country. And those changes that we need are not necessarily economical. They aren't necessarily governmental. They are changes that can only take place when those who name the name of Christ get serious about their relationship with Him. And they embrace Him. And as David said, one thing I desire above all else... And that will I seek after, that I may dwell in His presence each and every day of my life. If we want America to change, we have to change. And we are changed only when we abide in His precious presence. 
He goes on to say in Psalms 27 and 8, You have said, seek my face and require my presence as your vital need. Man, that that preaches to me that God's presence, is it okay if I move around a little bit? That God's presence is the most important thing in our life. And to some of you, that that idea of being in the presence of God, if if that idea is foreign to you, all I can say is I'm sorry for you. Because the Bible says, in His presence is the fullness of joy. And that the joy of the Lord, Nehemiah 8.10, is our strength. Why is the church's light and effect in America diminishing? Now, some people say I have a pessimistic viewpoint of the role and and the activity and the power of the church in the United States. I don't think I'm a pessimist. I just think I have good common sense. And when you see what you see, and when you hear what you hear, you you cannot deny the facts about where we're headed as a country. We have become a country that embraces immorality. Sin is no longer sin. And most of the choices that we make out of the ballot box are not made in view of, I'm getting into politics, what suits us best, but not what glorifies Him most. We sing that old song, God bless America. Friend, He has blessed America. We have taken it for granted, and we have responded to His blessings with apathy and indifference, And have allowed the movement to come in the public square where God is being forced out. That is not a political message. That is not a political statement. That is a statement about the spirituality and and the direction of our country based on who we believe God is and what His role in our lives are. God has blessed America. But the question is, are we going to allow America to be a country that God can continue to bless? That's the bigger question. Is God's presence a vital need for you? Listen, to me, church has always been important. But my time spent with God and the intimacy that has developed in my relationship with God far exceeds the experiences that I have in corporate worships with brothers and sisters in Christ. I love coming to church. There's no place really I would rather be on a Sunday or a Wednesday night than in God's house with God's people worshiping Him. But it's more than that. If you're going to make the leap to have an effective, powerful, personal witness and testimony and witness for the Lord, where you're going to be much fruitful, and when you are much fruitful, then God is glorified. Everybody loves a little. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. Y'all know that. It doesn't say if you have a little bit of it, God's going to be glorified. Everybody has a little. But do you have a lot? To where who you are and your character and your integrity and your persona, when people see you, they like they spoke of the disciples, these people have been in the presence of God. Why did they say that? Why did they speak of these disciples as people who spoke with authority 
And they spoke with a, in, a, in a fervor and a fire that they had never seen or heard before. Because these men had encountered Jesus Christ personally. And yes, he is not here in the flesh, so to speak. But through the word of God, through prayer, through devotion, through seeking him, not just his face, what God can do for us, excuse me, seeking his hand, what he can do for us, but to seek his face, the person of who he is. That's when that relationship begins to grow. Any relationship needs to be invested in. If you're married, raise your hand. If you wish you weren't married. (laughs) Y'all knew I was setting you up. But a relationship, you have to make investments, don't you? Time has to be spent. And in a relationship, you don't always get your own way. Psalm 73, 28 says, For me it is good to be near God. I have put my trust in the Lord that I may declare all of your works. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, In all your ways acknowledge God and He will direct your paths. I think about that and what does that really mean? In all your ways acknowledge Him. In my notes, I wrote down to live in an absolute awareness of God's presence. Take Him with you and to be in constant fellowship with Him. I work at Bondurant Hardware. In any job where you work with the public, there are good days and there are bad days and there are good customers and there are bad customers. And I tried to keep track this past week because I was made aware by my pastor in a sermon that he preached last week about the impact that we have going through the mundane, everyday activity of our lives. And it's real easy to respond to people as they respond to you. But in a hardware store the other side of town, I bet 40 to 50 times this past week, the Holy Spirit has quickened my heart and said, you don't need to say that. You don't need to act like that. You need to smile. You need to go the extra mile. You need to go above and beyond. That's what we ask of God, right? We love Ephesians 3.20. He's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ever think or ask. And then we have become minimalist in our service for the Lord. We reluctantly give our 10%. Right? We come to church Sunday morning. The super saints come back Sunday night. And those who just don't have anything to do and are old and retired come on Wednesday night. And you know my philosophy about church, that's not everything. But there is a scripture that says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, as is the manner of some, especially as that day approaches. And most of you would agree that we're in that day. 2,000 years ago, the disciples said he's coming soon. Well, today is sooner than it was 2,000 years ago. We need God more. We don't need God less. And I'm just going to have to step out here. I just do not believe, I am not naive enough to believe that people are going to spend quality time with God a part of the house of worship 
when the word of God says they should be in the house of worship. How can you be walking in disobedience and be pleasing God at the same time? Well, Brother Brian, man, God did not ascribe how many times we should go to church. I don't even know why I'm preaching this. This is not in my notes by no means. I'm, I'm going to rock some of your boats. I pastored a Southern Baptist church for 14 years, but for the last two years I've been teaching the college and career class at an Assembly of God church. I took my watch off because it's hard for me to do anything in 25 minutes, and I was told that's the approximate amount of time that I would have. Football games last longer than a worship service. Just saying. Listen, I love my... No, you're supposed to stay out of politics. But you know what? I love my Bama. I'm a roll-tide person. And not to offend you, Warrior, because we both won yesterday, so all's good with the world. But I think it would be ignorant and just not helpful to ignore the indifference and how we try and restrain. I listened to a scientist who happened to be a preacher the other day on TV. And he said, one sign if a person is truly born again, there is a hunger and a thirst. Any living creation, from the simplest cell, a single-celled organism, an amoeba, up to the most complex creation that God ever created, the human being, there is one thing that is common in every living thing. They have a hunger and they have a thirst. And if that hunger and if that thirst is not met, you know what happens. They perish. And there are a lot of people in the body of Christ that are thirsty and hungry and anemic and weak and aren't doing what's necessary to be that witness. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says we are His ambassadors. I take that very seriously and not just because I'm a preacher. Can I tell you the truth? After 14 years in the ministry, and it can be brutal, I had bit my tongue. I had just taken and taken and taken. I prayed for the day when the Lord released me from my pastorate at Zion Hill. It is going to be so good and so refreshing to be able to be me, unfiltered. I don't have to take their mess. I don't have to deal with this. I don't have to put up with that. I can just be me. And I was looking forward to being me for a change. And January the 1st, 2015 came around when I was no longer pastor. And I realized it wasn't about me being a pastor. But it was about me being his son. And when the opportunities came and presented themselves to me to be me, the Lord says, you can't be you. You've got to be me. I have to quickly move through some things. And I don't know if I've done a good job about talking about intimacy because I got sort of sidetracked a little bit. Intimacy or being intimate is described as being very close, familiar, friendly, marked by privacy and informality, a close friend. We know that scripture that says that Jesus is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. We sing the hymn, what a friend we have in Jesus. And yes, he is a friend to us, but are we a friend to him? I believe God wants something more from us and with us than we want for ourselves. 
Have you ever had a human relationship, be it a child, be it a co-worker, be it a spouse, that you wanted that relationship to go deeper, to mean more, to be more? You had ideas and just visions of how things could be if you could just have a deeper relationship with that person. And I believe that is what God wants from us today. He wants us to go deeper. And I don't have time to get into the the text from Revelation. But as John was writing, led by the Holy Spirit, to the church of Laodicea, he says, I see your works, and they are good. But he says, I've got some problems with you. He said, you are neither hot nor cold. He said, you are lukewarm. You're right in the middle. See, where Laodicea was, they had this one place over here that had hot springs. And Colossae was over here, and they had this nice, cool mountain water. And they set up this aqueduct system to try and get the hot water for them to use, the cold water for them to use. But they were so far away that when the hot water got to them, you know, it wasn't hot anymore. When the cold water got to them, it wasn't cold anymore. And the people there of Laodicea were not getting what they wanted. And God was saying, if anybody would understand what it means to want something so desperately but not be able to get it, after spending a lot of resources on it, he says, you ought to understand where I'm coming from. God invested more than he ever could in humanity through his son, Jesus Christ. And he says, I'm not getting from you what I want. And then he began, he said, I'm knocking at the door. And I want you to let me in. What's ironic is God was speaking to his church and he was having to knock on the door to get permission to have a place in his own church where he should have been. But God was left out of the church and I believe the Laodicean church is a very good picture of the modern day church. Maybe not this church, but I'm not naive either after 14 years of ministry, 18 total, that everybody in here is on fire for God. Is God getting from you what he wants? Are you hot? Are you zealous? Are you on fire for God? Are you cold, indifferent? Are you lukewarm? What kind of witness are you? When's the last time you told somebody about Jesus Christ? Some people say, well, God, why doesn't God just be like the big bad wolf and just huff and puff and puff and puff and blow the door in? And I want to answer that question. God has the power and ability to make you do everything but the one thing that he desires the most. God can make you obey him, but he can't make you love him like you should. God can make you fear him, but he cannot make you love him like you should. God can make you serve him, but he cannot make you love him. God can take your children. He can take your finances. He can take things. He can give you things. But there's one thing God cannot make you do, and that is love him like he wants you to love him. God is saying to me and to you, to this church, to this community, to this nation, I want back in. And he's knocking. And what have we given him? 
Instead of intimacy, a lot of us have given him religion. A response that allows us to treat God with respect, but not intimately. Religion has become a shallow substitute for what God really wants. When we become committed to a religion, God becomes a formula. We go to church, we read our Bibles, we say our prayers, we pray over our meals, we sin, we confess. But eventually, if we're not careful, religion becomes all about us. And how do we throw God a bone to get Him to do for us what we want Him to do? John F. Kennedy in 1961 in his inauguration says, Ask not what your country can do for you, but ask what you can do for your country. And I think some of us need to apply that same principle to, to our relationship with God. It's not always about asking God four things. Heal my sick relative. Open a door. We need to ask God. Isaiah said, here I am. Send me. And can I tell you, when you are honest with God, and you're bold enough to say, Lord, here I am, send me, you know what will happen? God will use you. There are a lot of people who are seeking and searching for God's will for the life, and they get frustrated because they never can find it. Well, I'm a firm believer of Scripture that says when you seek and search for things with all of your heart, you will exactly find it. One of the reasons people are indifferent and don't know what God wants them to do is simply for the reason that they have not pressed into the presence of God to hear Him in a clear, loud voice. This is who you are. This is my purpose, will, plan for your life. And this is what I want you to do. It may not be to, to be a preacher. It may not be to be a, a worship leader. But God has something special for you. And it's not just what you do to get your paycheck to take care of your responsibilities with your family. Everything in life can be spiritual if we include and involve God. I just got started, but my time's over. <laughs> See, when you're a preacher, you don't get to do this that, very, that, that often. Man, but how can you have intimacy with God? I'll be brief. Private time with God is where a close relationship with, with God is made and maintained. Through thanksgiving, praise, prayer, Bible study, meditation. Time. Unrushed time. Unstructured time. Not just about going to church and serving. Transparency. Be honest with God about how you're doing. Be bold. Pray some R-rated prayers. And be embarrassingly transparent. And to be submissive to Him. I found that most people in church are scared to death by the word submission. Wives don't like that verse in Ephesians when it talks about wives be Submissive to your husbands. A lot of translations have changed that word. I performed a wedding one time and the, and the lady says, please don't ask me in my vows to say I will obey my husband. Most of us have the same idea about God that we do that lady did about who she was going to marry. I said, boy, this marriage is really going to work. By no means is blind obedience what, what that scripture is talking about at all. But if we have resistance, to, if we are resistant to submission to authority at any level, if you're resistant to authority in the home, at your job place, at school, in government, wherever it is, whether it's Black Lives Matter or whatever it is, you have a God problem. I know this is a Presbyterian church, but I think a, an amen might have been, been in order there. 
Why do we have the problems that we have? It's, is it a submission problem? Yes, but it's deeper than that. It's a God problem. Because when you submit to God, you will submit to whoever He has placed in your life over you. Because the Holy Spirit and the Word of God will instruct you and lead you and guide you. And to be at peace with Him, to have that peace that passes all understanding, you can't be anything but what He wants you to be. Why am I so passionate about spending time in His presence? In His presence is where we can completely surrender. We can see beyond ourselves. We can find strength to persevere. We can let His Word speak to our heart. In His presence, we're able to wait expectingly. We're able to let Him lead. We're able to receive from Him what we need. In His presence, we can abandon ourselves to His loving, trustworthy care. In His presence, we can listen to all that He has to say, and we could stay anchored and strong. In His presence, there is true security. In His presence, we can be renewed in our mind and in our heart. In His presence, we can be accepted, liberated, empowered. And in His presence, we can embrace the liberating truth of being simply His child. An intimate relationship with God. Well, we're seeking Him with boldness, without fear, without reservation, is what God really desires. Sin interferes with that. But as God came and pursued Adam and Eve in the garden after sin, in an attempt to hide their sin, they hid from Him. Oh, but He still pursued them. And there they were exposed before God. And you know what God did? The first sacrifice in Scripture ever recorded is that when he took animal skins and he clothed them as a portrait of what he would do later on through the sending of his son, Jesus Christ, that you and I, if we humble ourselves before an almighty God, can be clothed in the righteousness of Christ. And we have direct access, an intimate relationship as possible through what Christ did. John 10, 10 says, the thief come, but for to kill, to steal, and destroy. But I have come that you may have life, and that you may have it more abundantly. Is that your experience today? Can you say, Brother Brian, I'm enjoying an abundant life with God. Not apart from, but with Him. Let's all stand. I hope I get the order of service right. Turn in your hymnal to page 497. And we'll sing the first and last verse of Near to the Heart of God.